welcome back to another episode of Rocket Table Talk. It's just me today. Uh, my better half is actually out in the world playing Dungeons & Dragons safely with all this COVID stuff going on, but she's definitely out socializing. And I'm sitting here by myself, uh, talking to myself in front of a screen. So this is always going to be fun. So we knew that we were starting to get back into the weekly content, um, or we were trying to anyway. Uh, but things happened in life that kind of pushed it back into the back burner for us. Um, back in the back burner, that's funny. So, we, going forward, we're going to start doing it less structured on every Wednesday it's going to come out, and that's the content for the week. It's essentially going to be, uh, whenever we have a chance to, as long as something comes out during the week, that's essentially going to be it. Uh, so it's going to be less strict and more whimsical, some might say. So, with 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 that in mind, um, today's episode of Rocket Table Talk is essentially going to be some talking points about things that might help get over nerves when getting into a new hobby, but specifically with Dungeons & Dragons. So, when Jasmine and I first started playing it wasn't super smooth as a transition from going from being admirers from the outside to being players on the inside. Uh, we definitely um, had to overcome some resistances from some people uh, and in the community, they're obviously known as gatekeepers. Um, it's, it's the type of person that only wants people to play if they fit a certain like subgenre or subcategory of person or they want to keep their fandom very small and tight-knit so that they can hold reign over some aspect of it. Just whatever rubbish they can come up with just to essentially discriminate against people from joining in and having fun with them. So the whole thing of Rocket Tabletop is we don't want people to be gatekeepers. We want essentially everyone to overcome this stigma that Dungeons & Dragons is super nerdy and just doesn't matter, have fun. Play it if you want, don't play it, whatever. At least try it at some point in your life. So, going forward, we're going to do something a little bit more based on a beginner's standpoint. I know we've done the character class reviews in the past, and we just released a video on how to make a character on D&D Beyond. So, essentially, it's going to be more like the latter. It's more going to be like step-by-step -step or some really basic concepts just so it's easier for people to get over oh my god, D&D is so difficult, oh my god, I don't like doing role-playing, blah, 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 this is this, whatever it is. Oh, man, Whew, doing this by yourself is hard. Oh my god, Whew. it's hard to breathe. You gotta, you gotta learn how to breathe out and breathe in, my god. Someone only have Jasmine to talk for 40 minutes and then I just need to say uh-huh uh or mm, and then that's it, that's the whole podcast. Uh, so for tonight, like I said, it's going to be some things to help with getting over nerves, and we're going to do it as a player and then as a DM. So if you get a group together and even though you're all very new to it, you're slightly more experienced because you've read the player's handbook or you watch Critical Role or you have some sort of background knowledge. So then you get thrown into the task of being the DM. Or in other words, you chose to be the DM for your group of friends. Um, it can be scary. It can be nerve wracking. Um, especially for myself, I'm not a big public speaker. I don't like being the center of attention. Jasmine is the complete opposite. She loves being the center of attention. 
but she's not here, so I'm just going to talk as her tonight, best I can. So when I was doing it myself, it was very scary, and towards the end of it, I realized that being a DM wasn't really for me. Um, I think I preferred more, and I saw this actually on Reddit, I thought it was really funny. Uh, someone put up asking, is there a way to play D&D as a DM and then as a single player? And then the first response is, you should just write a novel. And I, I thought that was real funny. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much how I would want to be a DM, is I want it to be for myself, just for myself and play the game. So I'm probably going to write a novel at some point in my life, but I probably won't DM anymore. <laughs> uh, so some things that I noticed when I was DMing and there would be like weeks that I get super nervous for it is because I was unprepared. So researching some things about your campaign setting um, can definitely help settle the nerves when it comes to the week by week. Uh, so let's say for instance, your, your setting is going to be in, let's say like a, a desert town, for instance, and you wanted your adventurers to go from this small settlement to a giant um, sandstone establishment that's about like 200 leagues across the ocean between desert to desert. You'll, you do need to do a bit of research to know how that's going to work together. So why is there just a random desert on one side of an ocean to the other? Are they actually joined together? Is it surrounding the ocean? Um, it's essentially um, what I'm trying to say is prepare for it. Uh, and then with your settlement, what's in that settlement at the start? Is it going to be like really raggedy and downtrodden or is it going to be some sultan has it? Um, and it's like his whole party of people. And then in the opposite to that, how is the sandstone structures going to look? How is the town uh, spread out over like it's um, in its boundaries, stuff like that. Uh, these things you can find in Wikipedia or taking inspiration from any other sci-fi genre or anything like that. But try to do a bit of research on what your topic is going to be just so that you have it in mind in case someone asks you to really play out the theater of it. It's not hard. There's um, really good YouTubers out there that, that really talk about what makes up a town or what makes up a city and some key things like key buildings that you'll find specifically in one and not the other. So definitely have a browse around and find something that is going to just help you out when it comes to answering some of those questions that you might not have thought of. Because my brain, for instance, works differently to your brain and someone else's brain and so on and so forth. So a question that I could probably answer because I've researched it might not have come up to me, but then someone else will ask about it. So first thing on how to get over nerves would be do some research on the things about your campaign setting. Secondly, um, if you're DMing from a module, so whatever book or whatever online resource that, you, uh, sorry, resource that you're using, make sure that you pre-read at least like a chapter or two ahead just so you know if there's any upcoming twists or anything like that that's coming up from it. If you know, for instance, that like Descent to Avernus, you start off in a town and then at the end of the novel, you go into the Nine Hells. Even if you don't know the exact steps of how you get from point A to point B, it's good to know that at least you're going from the city, the town, down to the Nine Hells. So even if your party starts to veer off, you have a way to no cool so in chapter six for instance whatever chapter it is 
I know that I have to be in the nine hells. So how am I going to convert my party from being where they are right now and get them down there? Taking the, the modules like too harshly and like really on the nose can be a positive and a negative. You can read it like the Bible and follow it like word by word. But again, everyone plays differently. So if they veer off, don't be upset to go on a side path that might not have been written down in a module. But again, knowing the end step, you can then as a DM focus their attention to get them to the end point. Um, so yeah, pre-reading the module and knowing just a little bit whether or not it's like, what's the next encounter going to be? Or what's the next town going to kind of look like? So that you just have it in your mind can really help settle down whatever internal nerves you have because you're prepared a little bit, but it doesn't have to be excessive enough that you know what exactly happens page by page by page. That's all I'm trying to say. And then a caveat to that is that don't plan it out either. Let your players take free reign to a degree. So one of the things that I've noticed was I would, well, this is for me personally, but I'm not saying this for everyone, is I would write out a whole like combat encounter followed by a conversation, followed by a travel, followed by a town, followed by this and this and this. And I would write it really well if they followed those steps. Um, and then one of my characters would decide they didn't want to follow one of those steps. And then I had nothing to go from to get to the end point. So there'll be the initial, uh, confrontation and then they would wipe out the monsters or whatever. And then all of a sudden they say they want to go back to the previous town. And then in my head, I'm thinking, oh shit, like, no, they have to go forward. They have to keep going their way. And because I didn't prepare myself mentally and I wrote it out word by word it got real hard for me to change their mindset to get them to go forward it was essentially I had to just free ball it from that point on and just ignore my like weeks worth of preparing up to that point so instead of writing out like scripts and paragraphs and blah 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 what instead you should be doing is writing like very loose points similar to what I was saying about pre-reading ahead just know some things about how you want your campaign to go and the things in the middle, just just let it happen as it happened. Let's say you want a, a encounter to happen just after they exit a town. Cool. Don't say that straight after that, they have to go to the next town. Go and just write, uh, town B looks like this. So that if they choose to go to the next town, you have some notes down as to what the next town is going to preferably look like in their head if you're good at doing the theater of the mind um, if not if you've got some minis and stuff you've got that pre-prepared just in case um, so that also is with the modules as well as with the home brewing um, either either or just don't be too stringent about how the story's got to go just let it be more free-flowing and more fun because if you're having fun with it and if the players are having fun with it it's going to be much easier for them to retain their their information and their uh, attention spans so that next session they remember what happened or like during the combat phase, they're not on their phone or they're not making dice towers. Like things like that definitely, definitely helps in the long run, I would say. So with that, with the rough points, letting your players choose their own path is it, what distinguishes between a good DM and a bad DM and that's like a very thin line. 
I'm not saying bad, like you should never DM ever again, but there's definitely a point that you, ha you have to be at. I'm definitely not that person. So I'm talking from my experience with good DMs is that having it, um, having the freedom to do your own thing and then the DM twisting it and making me want to do what he's saying or she's saying without actually saying it, it was awesome. Like, I just, words can't describe that sort of environment that you get put in. Just, just be less strict about how the path or the chapters of the story are going to go. Next thing that I would say is don't be afraid to take inspiration from other people or from other science fiction things. I briefly mentioned it at the start, but taking inspiration from something doesn't make you a lesser DM. Um, if, if you just had like a rough week or you were super busy and you really can't think of an idea, it, it's fine. Like, uh, unless the, the people that you play with um, watch and read and experience social media the same way as you do, they might not even connect the dots. So, as, as a reference to that, um, when I first did my, when I ran my first campaign as a DM, uh, I didn't know how to start it. I just knew that there were some things in it that I want to happen. Um, and then so I took inspiration from, at the start, I took inspiration from video games. So, for instance, I, I couldn't think of a vessel of how they were going to get from point A to point B. And I was just playing through Divinity Original Sin 2. And if you played that game, whole chapter 1, chapter 2 three essentially uh is off the lady vengeance and lady vengeance is the vessel that they play off now i didn't copy it word from word i used the name and i said it was a boat uh mine was a flying boat granted and they did have some magical powers but it wasn't the exact same as that for instance um not not until like we got to session four five and six did one of my players actually connect the dots and say oh you're using the boat from Divinity Original Sin. And I was like, hell yeah, I am. That game's fantastic. Uh, after that, I then couldn't think of how my my big bad was getting from point A to point B. And then I thought portals. Um, and I was like, oh shit, how can I make the portal look? And then I took inspiration from Harry Potter and the... Which movie was it? Movie 5? When... They're in the, the soul place and all the souls run around and Sirius dies, spoiler alert, Sirius dies in the fifth book or sixth book, whatever the hell it is. Um, and then that portal, essentially, that's in the middle of that room. And I don't know what it is because I don't care. But that is how I imagine the portals looked. And I use that as inspiration. Now that, again, it doesn't make you lesser of a DM because unless the characters or the players also watch the exact same media that you consume on the day, day to day, they don't make that connection. I finished my whole campaign or got to about what session 20 session 30 and they didn't know that that's where i got that inspiration from even though one of my people loves harry potter jasmine for instance she loves that film she loves that franchise but she never connected the dots to that's how it was and i didn't ever explicitly say that i copied it or i used it from harry potter and it was fine I didn't feel like any any less of a DM because of it. Um, I just had something to base it off, and it and it really helped in the long run because, like I said, no one ever connected those dots together. Another thing that might settle the nerves of some newcomers to D and D or anything like that is have a session zero. So what that normally entails is you're setting up the scene, 
you explain a little bit of the backstory of whatever world you've built or campaign setting that you currently have. And then it gives the opportunity for the players to talk about their characters or decide how the different players' characters link together or how they fit in a certain campaign setting. Um, but having that session zero really helps with just, you like as a DM, your mentality calms down because when you have something that you've invested time into, the worst thing is then explaining it to someone and they not enjoying that thought. But in the session zero, everyone's super pumped, everyone's really keen, and it gives you that outlet to allow people to like sponge off your enjoyment and then build their characters from that. So because Jazz and I, we always invite new people to play or we'll start a new campaign to like allow new people that have never played D&D to jump in with us. Uh, a lot of our session zeros are us helping them make their characters. Jess is really good with this. She does it all the time. Um, but she doesn't just make the character for them. She goes through the steps with them. She then says how that character might fit in and then asks for input. And then it's a lot of back and forth between like Jazz and the player itself. But then the group also piggybacks off that. And then they start developing their backstories to incorporate it or just stuff like that. That's like it builds from one seed of just one person not knowing exactly what they're going to do to the whole group just erupts into a conversation of how they met, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And as a DM, that's a fantastic feeling. It's not something that like people may experience, but definitely as a, as a new DM, definitely as a new player, just having everyone share that same excitement about something with you is really encouraging to continue playing forward and role-playing your character a certain way or just you being yourself and allowing yourself to express yourself in a, in a different way around it. Uh, so with the Session Zero as well, um, a thing that I did in my latest campaign I ran was I set some house rules um, that was specifically for the campaign itself. Now, they can be as aggressive as you want and they can be as minimal as you want. So, use it like... I use the player's handbook as a starting point and then I develop some little tweaks like here and there um, and it was definitely evolving the more we played. Like I would notice that characters were doing something very frequently and they didn't really enjoy themselves on a certain aspect. So I was like, cool, from now on, from this point forward, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to work. And the way I enforced this is that I actually had a little notebook with me and every time there was a house rule, I had a house rule chapter in my notebook and I would write it in there so that from that point forward, it was going to be a house rule. And as a caveat to that, um, I actually have my notebook from that campaign next to me right now. And I had a little sticky note and I got a lot of sticky notes. Like one is puzzles and world map and other maps and potions, uh, house rules, names and types of magic because when I was doing this, I definitely needed the help when it came to different types of magic. So I got my, my house rule section and with this, I made it a house rule that potion of healing and greater healing, superior and supreme, they always healed the maximum amount of HP. Um, that is something that really helped my party moving forward because it just seemed that every time they... Um, every time that they wanted to use it, they always had a low roll and then it was ineffective and then they would go down essentially. 
Uh, there's some other rules in here that I have that's like, uh, drinking a potion is a bonus action, um, but giving it to someone else uh, is an action. So that was just because, again, everyone seemed to be going down a lot. I had a very squishy party at the time, uh, and they kept using up their actions and they weren't enjoying themselves as much because they kept drinking potions. So again, I changed it. It's now a bonus action to drink it, or it's a it's an action to pass it on to someone else. And it's just it's just some small things like that, like a term that we always used going forward was bloodied as a term. So like the monster's bloodied or uh, the, the civilian looks bloodied. And essentially I made that a point because my players at the time were really interested was bloodied meant that the character is below 50% health. I wouldn't specify how much 50% would be for that particular character. Um, but yes, it was always uh, bloodied from that point forward meant it was below 50% health. Uh, there's some other things in here as well, but I don't want to read them out. Uh, take a notebook with you when you're DMing, a separate one to like your initiative tracker, and just have some notes in it and be ready to write them down. Um, and that's that's the same thing when it comes to playing from a module as well. If the module says do this, this, and that, or this is a particular thing, or it only has certain monsters that are involved, don't be afraid to just throw in a random monster that doesn't belong and have the stats ready, obviously, but do that just so it throws people out of the balance. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm just going through this notebook now. It's um, It's got like my old characters in it. Um, I did little like character sheets for them. Like my, my first boss that they defeated was uh, the Maestro and it has all the, the stats for him. So it was like immune to fire damage, resistance to... Um, charming and petrification. Um, he can't be grappled because he was a big brawly dude. Um, and then it also had some spells for him that obviously I had for myself, but I never told anyone about. Uh, and then even like NPCs, because I had some murder hobo characters in there as well, like King Thumpty, who was the king that hired them to go on the mission in the first place, just in case they decide to kill him. I, I wrote like a whole bunch of caveats as to if they kill him, this and this is going to happen. But it never came to it, luckily. But at the same time, it was really good to have. Uh, man. Puzzles. Oh, jeez. Have puzzles. Google D&D puzzles or just Google puzzles and, like, little riddles and things and just have them. Because, my God, just having a list of things not printed out but me writing it down uh, was... It was so handy in, like, a... Uh, theater of the mind and they really wanted to explain something and I couldn't think of anything I just referred to my little list and it was great so I'll read one out uh, twice in eternity and always within eyesight it's a riddle what do you think it's going to be it's the letter T now why would you ever need that unless like there's runes on a pillar and they need to click the correct rune to open the door and the only clue they have is that little riddle, bam, there you go. And I just have that handy from here on forward. Obviously, if you're a DM that uses uh, digital resources, then you can do the same thing digitally, but there's something very poetic about having it written out and having it all laid out nicely with little um, keynotes and highlights on certain words. 
this was something as a digital player, this was something that I definitely encourage having as a physical um, add-on to your arsenal. Like, I just have a list of names and list of male names, list of female names, list of elvish names, list of dragonborn names. Like, when am I ever going to use 50,000 names for this? Doesn't matter. It's just in case I need to get to it. Yeah. Oh, this is a good book. I'm, uh, I'm excited that I found that. I had to go digging into some deep vaults to find this one. Uh, so that's, that's some tips that I thought of top of my head. And I'll definitely have to reconvene with uh, Jasmine at a later date and ask her if she has any things to input. We might put it in a later episode. Uh, but now as a player and some things that you can do to make yourself less nervous when it comes to to playing your first campaign or just being in front of a group of people. Uh, the first thing is uh, make a character that seems fun and don't just play something to min-max. So it's a, it's a habit for most people, especially gamers, is finding the the easiest way to progress the story with the minimum uh, resistance required. And I noticed that um, lately, recently with a lot of players, is that instead of playing something they wanted to play, they'd play something that had the best stats. So they would always play like, what can I think of? Like an elf mage, for instance, because they get the bonuses. Um, They'd always play like dwarf paladins because they're tankier. and, and just like things like along those routes and they wouldn't ever roll that always use the standard array of numbers. Um, so it, everything was very predefined. And if you want to play D&D that way, that's totally up to you. Um, but as your first time playing and you might be a bit nervous um, and, you're, and you're scared that you might be dying letting the team down, trust me, you're going to have more fun and the whole party, including the DM, is going to have more fun if you're enjoying yourself and if you're taking the piss with them and not just playing to beat the game, essentially. Uh, Another thing that I learned later on, um, again, this is just because I'm an introvert and it's hard for me to get out of my shell, is just get into it. Um, So recently I've been trying to do like the different voices and um, definitely play up the role-playing aspect of it, Um, but have fun with it. Uh, Really get into your character, and play the game as if you were the character and less about you playing the character, which is a hard mentality to get out of because that's how we're pre-programmed to doing. Um, definitely playing role-playing games, like you you essentially will be, unless you're like me and you love playing as the character that you're playing, you'll always be playing as you playing the character as yourself playing the game. And it, it's, it's a hard thing to get your head around um but once you once you really it clicks in your mind uh it, it's it's a fantastic feeling and yeah but with that take it with a with a grain of salt if you're putting 100 percent effort in and role playing and playing as your character and someone else in your group doesn't really role play don't be too disheartened play it yourself really get into it um, if they're laughing, they're not really laughing at you. They're laughing at what your character is doing. Um, so yeah, don't ever take offense to someone not getting as into it as you. We all play at different levels. Um, I definitely knew that getting into D&D was because I am more shy than most people I know. Uh, it, it took me probably to like session 
six or seven before my character really started to develop their own personality instead of me just asking as myself playing my character. And towards the end, that's some of the most memorable points of my character was when my character would do silly things and not just me say, I'm going to do something silly. It's it's a different dynamic and until you experience it for your first time, it really, it really clicks something in your mind that lets you lead on from that point. Like we always talk about it, for instance, mine, my big one was when I played my first character, which was a dwarf cleric. His name was Cracker and he didn't talk a lot because obviously I was shy. So I didn't know how to use a different like, like use talking in different, um, what the word I'm trying to think of talking in a different accent. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but the thing that we all remember, or I definitely remember, and we brought it up before was that we we're versing the big bad at the end of the campaign and we weren't prepared for it because we skipped a whole bunch of story that our DM had prepared. And one of the characters hit the big bad and aggravated it. So what did I do? I, as my character, dove in front of the big bad to get under its legs, yelling out my name and forming my godly symbol with my hands. And it was never anything that was going to prevail. I died straight away. But that point of me role-playing my character is something that my whole group remembers compared to the rest of the campaign that we played. And that's a, that's a really good thing to, to really bring you out of your shell leading on from that point. Because after that, I didn't really care. I wanted to play my character how I did, and that was it. And going on from that is don't just play your character how you want. Play D&D how you want. Um, obviously, within the confines of what the DM allows you to. But if you wanted to spend 60 hours of your week painting up a mini that represents your character and it's going to make you feel good about it, then definitely do that. Even if that mini is custom or if it's just a pre-bought like WizKids one or Reaper Bones or whatever, um, enjoy yourself in the preparation as much as you do in the role-playing and the playing of the actual game. If you want to buy six sets of dice in, and just in case you might ever need two sets of D6s, uh, do it. Uh, there's nothing stopping you. Uh, someone else that judges you from doing that is just a very cynical and mean person and you don't want to be friends with that person after that point. Being from a mini painting background as myself, I enjoy painting minis and they're not 100%. They're not really good. They're not professional grade. I don't do wet blends and I don't do this. And I've taught Jazz the basic principles of how to paint minis and she's enjoyed it and she's been doing it for her group. But then you get the people that see the photos of your minis and then they just shit on you for saying it's not X, Y, and Z. Yes, that's fine. That's how I want my mini to look. That's how I do my production. All our minis that we use in our games are painted to a certain standard, to a tabletop standard. We don't have showcase minis that we play with. I can't paint that. Jasmine can't paint that. We're not going to pay someone else to paint that. We just need it there to show that there's a certain cobalt that's standing around the corner from where the party's standing. Anyway, back off that tangent. What, what I'm trying to say is prepare as much as you want. Bring your books, bring your iPads, bring your tablets, bring some drawing utensils if you want to draw the map. Or if you're really role-playing, wear your goggles, wear your, your, your leather vests and your potions and your leather-bound books. Whatever you want to do, have fun doing it yourself, regardless if the party is 
going to do it with you. Don't ever tell someone else to do it if you're going to do it. And that's, that's the last thing that I'm going to mention in my 30-minute rant slash introductional video is don't tell other people no. Let the DM do that. If you're playing your game as well as playing with the DM and the majority of others and one person is not, let's say, with air quotes, and I do this behind a microphone so you can't see it, and they're not playing by the rules, let them do that. Let them play the game they want and you just enjoy yourself the way you can. As a player and having people like argue with other players with the DM just sitting there like a cuck and just waiting for the argument to be over, it's not fun. It's not fun for anyone. And it's the exact same experience being the DM and having two players argue over whether or not the, the cobot has six health or eight health. Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Or sneaking up is going to be better because you've min-maxed your character because you're... Uh, and you want to do a sneak attack and it's going to do a billion damage compared to the rest of the party, which is a bard ensemble and they want to play their music loudly. You go off and you do your little stealth mission, let the bards do their thing, and then in the end, reconverge and you're all happy afterwards. Don't ever say no. Let the DM do that. Let me repeat that again. It's very important. Your role isn't to tell people they can't do something. You're there to enjoy yourself. So, after all this, I hope you guys uh, feel a little bit better knowing that um, other people experience the same things as you and there's ways around it and just enjoy yourself because um, that's all D&D is about is taking the piss with your mates, having pizza and killing some goblins. So until we have another podcast, I'll talk to you later.